You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Matt Adams flying solo as I usually do on Mondays uh, with the game recap. We'll hear from Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths later this week when we do our preview show for the Colts Saints game, which is upcoming. But uh, for now, we got to talk about a really tough loss, a 39-38 defeat at the hands of the Cleveland Browns in front of the home crowd at Lucas Oil Stadium. How in the world did the Colts lose this game? That is just something that is going to be, that's got to be driving this team nuts. I know as a fan, it's driving me nuts. They played so well in this game in many regards, but they also fell short in many regards. And it's just one of those things. I cannot believe they lost this game. I cannot believe they lost the way that they lost. And then there are things that... I can't even believe they were kind of in the game in the first place because of the way that, you know, we heard about this fearsome Cleveland Browns defense. And and the Colts, while certainly the Cleveland defense was was very good at times, they did not dominate this game like expected. I, I mean, there were those of us and, and all three of us really on the podcast that didn't know if the Colts were going to be able to even score a touchdown against the Browns or maybe just a touchdown. At the end of the day, it's it's a loss, and we'll hear from Coach Shane Steichen, and we'll hear from quarterback Gardner Minshew here in just a few minutes. So how in the world did they lose this game? Let me tell you how. Some mistakes, a lot of mistakes, some poor game management at times, and Miles Garrett, but mostly Miles Garrett. Minshew had four turnovers. Gardner Minshew, the quarterback in for Anthony Richardson, who, of course, is out for the season, uh, four turnovers, including a fumble recovered in the end zone for Brown's touchdown. He had two other fumbles, one at the end of the game. Not that it was a high percentage chance that the Colts were going to be able to get downfield and, and, and get, get into position for a field goal, but still that, that one at the end of the game also ended it. One of his other fumbles led to another touchdown from the Browns. And then uh, he had a key interception as well that I believe the Browns turned into a field goal. Now, really, there's a key sequence toward the end of the first half that really kind of cemented this game. And this, this was one of the crazier ball games I think I have, I have seen in a long time. Just a lot of back and forth. We've got these two teams that you don't think much of the offenses here because for the Colts, you've got them playing this very good Cleveland Browns defense and you know that without Anthony Richardson sort of the big playability is limited for the Colts but they were able to overcome that and make a bunch of big plays against this Cleveland Browns defense on the flip side of things you didn't think much of the Cleveland Browns offense either they, they brought in they came in they started Deshaun Watson he's got this strained rotator cuff thing going on he wasn't necessarily he hasn't been playing for the last couple of weeks then reports emerged you know he practiced last week. He was going to be available for the game here. But almost worst case scenario here was Deshaun Watson being knocked out of the game because P.J. Walker, not that he was fantastic, but Walker and the Browns were able to do some things. And especially at the end of the game, and, you know, Watson looked terrible, I thought, from his first throw that went, like, at the feet of a receiver behind the receiver. I just, I'm like, was this guy even out here? And then he threw an interception. He got knocked out of the game after that. You, you would think that knocking out the starting quarterback would be a good thing for the football team that you're a fan of, but for the Colts here, it wasn't necessarily. And also, as a Colts fan over the past many seasons, I've been a Colts fan. It seems like the, the backup quarterback, whether they come into the game because of an injury or they're starting because of an injury to the, to the, the regular starter, 
seems like they've had a pretty good track record against uh, the Colts in uh, over the years that I've I've been a fan. Now the Colts took a 14 to seven lead off of a Minshew run, and Indy forced a punt. And so you're actually feeling pretty good as a Colts fan right there. But on the next drive, Miles Garrett buried Minshew, caused a fumble. The Browns recovered it, and they ended up turning that into a touchdown on the next drive to tie the game at 14. Now, when the Colts got the ball back, they moved it a little bit, but they opted for a, for a 60-yard field goal on a 4th and 19 at the Cleveland 42. And Miles Garrett blocked that field goal, and that led to a Browns field goal to make it 17-14. to 14. Now, say what you will about the Colts. I don't mind being aggressive, and I, I think that you need to have what I like to consider to be measured aggression, where, yes, you're going to be aggressive, but know the circumstance that you're being aggressive in and kind of figure out if, if that's really what you want to do here. The Colts were in field goal range here, for sure. I mean, Matt Gay's got a big leg. We've, we've definitely seen that. We saw that a bunch in the Baltimore game. But on a third and long they ran a, a screen pass to Mo Alley Cox, and he got buried for like a five or six yard loss. So, what was going to be a 54, 55 yard field goal suddenly turned into a 60 yard field goal. And you're playing a Cleveland team that honestly is pretty limited offensively. And you don't want to give them an inch, really. And Steichen decided to go for the 60 yard field goal. We were rewarded with a punt block or a, a field goal block by Miles Garrett on just an amazing play where he leapt over the offensive lineman, got his paw on the ball, and then the, the Browns were able to return it, uh, getting deep into Colts territory, and they were able to convert that into a field goal. You know, then Indianapolis responded really well on that. Uh, Gardner Minshew led them on a drive. Uh, he ran for another touchdown. This one a much shorter touchdown than the 17-yarder that, that got them on the board early. The Colts led, despite that mistake, they led 21-17. to They also, on defense, forced a Cleveland punt. But they, they were backed up a little bit in their own territory. And this is another thing where I have a little bit of an issue with some of the coaching decisions we made here. And he's backed up pretty far. And on a first and 10 play, Minshew gets sacked for a five-yard loss. I think they were like at the 11, so this put them at like the six. And, and so they're already in the shadow of their own goal line. Instead of just going ahead and running the ball, which they'd had some success running it, and I, I don't necessarily think they would have busted a big play here, but I would have played a, a little bit safer here. On uh, the next play, you know, long down in distance, Minshew's in his own end zone because the Colts called another pass play. And Steichen, I do remind you, as the head coach, is actually also the, the team's play caller here. They tried to double team Miles Garrett. They had Drew Ogletree chip. And then Blake Freeland just looked like he was on the right tackle playing for Braden Smith. Looked like he was not quite able to get a hand on Garrett or didn't know he needed to get a hand on Garrett. Garrett comes around on that right side. He sacks Minshew in the end zone. Best case scenario for the Colts at that point was a safety, but the Browns recovered the football, and suddenly that 21-17 lead is a 24-21 deficit, just like that. And I, I did have some trouble kind of understanding. I mean, I know you've got to rely on your offensive line, and I know you can't just kind of play scared, but you do need to play smart. After getting sacked on the first play of that drive, 
going for another pass there instead of just kind of handing it off. I know you don't want to concede necessarily, but look at what that did to the Colts. This turned that game around completely. Colts got the ball back. They really didn't do a whole lot with it. They did cause the, bur- uh, the Browns to burn all of their timeouts, but they faced a 3-13 and play with the Browns having burned all of their timeouts here toward the end of the half. We're, we're under a minute and a half here. Instead of running a run play on 3-13, and the Colts go ahead and run a screen pass. Now, this gets blown up, and it ends up with Minshew essentially throwing the ball away, and that stops the clock. Cleveland had no more timeouts. They should have just run the ball there in that situation, run the clock. You're looking at probably melting 30 to 35, maybe 40 seconds off the clock. If you do that, instead, they give the ball back to the Browns, the Browns with no timeouts, do just enough to get into field goal range, and get a 54-second field goal just before the half. So I I really feel like that kind of two- to three-minute segment before halftime in the the second half of the – or in the first half of this game really cost the Colts. And they surrendered – they gave up some points. They, you know, look at it on on the field goal. That's a three-point swing for the Browns there. And then by deciding to pass the ball out of the end zone, the Colts – ended up with, yeah, you don't want that to happen. You don't expect that to happen, but it's one of those things that could happen. And we've seen Gardner have some ball security problems, and he had a safety in the Baltimore game uh, just a few weeks ago, and they managed to win that one and overcome some of those mistakes. But here you just handed him, you know, some points in the end zone, and I would prefer to go ahead, run the ball if you got a punt again, you know, Cleveland picks up another field goal there. It's really not a big deal. But to give that touchdown, just that sudden change like that is really, really demoralizing. Then they compounded that by allowing them to get another field goal at the end uh, just before halftime. I'm not going to say the Colts didn't get any breaks because they did get some breaks in this game. But also, especially on defense, it felt like they, they just could not get something good to happen in some key situations. They had a pair of interceptions, one by Kenny Moore, another by DeForest Buckner that were called as interceptions on the field and then overturned on review. Now, I'm not complaining about those calls. I I think those were the correct calls. I don't think either of those guys quite had really great possession of the ball. Of the two, maybe Kenny Moore had the closest to having possession of the ball, even though it, it did hit the ground a little bit there. I'm not really necessarily arguing with the calls. I'm just saying the Colts looked like they'd made big plays here, and they, they actually were not able to, to have those plays stand because they got overturned upon review. So just things not going their way. And then it really looked like they had a game-ending sack fumble from EJ Speed and DeForest Buckner that ended the game there at, at the very near the end of that fourth quarter. It looked like this game was done. It was over. The Colts would recover the fumble. They would just run out the clock, and this would be it. But instead, we got a defensive pass uh, or an illegal contact penalty from Daryl Baker Jr., who was, by the way, in the game because Juju Brents had suffered a quad injury left and, and was not able to come back into the game. So that was what appeared to be the end of the game right there. Instead, it's new life for Cleveland, so they get the ball I think it's uh, first and 10 at the 8. I think it's it's something along those lines. Now the Browns have a chance to get back into the end zone and try to get the touchdown that would put them ahead in the game. Very next play. I mean, the very next play. Daryl Baker again gets flagged, this time for pass interference. 
and that's at the one that puts the ball at the one yard line with 33 seconds left. The first one, the illegal contact one, I could I could see he was on the receiver, kind of reached out for him, impeded his progress. The the thing that stinks about it is there was never going to be a pass thrown in that guy's direction because EJ Speed was already in the quarterback's face. The the pass interference one, man, that ball was not catchable. I didn't think the contact was egregious on that one and I think the referees probably should have swallowed the flag in that particular case now that is of course coming from a Colts fan and coming from the Colts perspective but I, th- I thought you know I'm not going to say that the play was well defended but I didn't think the contact was egregious there I, th- I the ball there's no way anyone was catching that ball a- at all just absolutely no chance and I, I don't think that that should have been a pass interference call but it was and that set up uh, again, the Browns at the one-yard line with 33 seconds left. And Indy held, they, they did a pretty good job. Cleveland, knowing that they didn't have a whole lot of time left, didn't try to run the ball on first, second, or third down because if they had, there would have been kind of this mad scramble to get another play off. It's also possible that they wouldn't have gotten lined up well. That could have led to a procedural penalty, which would have run some clock, and, and that might have ended the game for them too. I can understand them not wanting to run the ball on first, second, or third down. They made some nice, the Colts made some nice plays, batted some balls away from some guys, made sure that they didn't get in the end zone. But on that fourth and goal on the one-yard line, the Browns lined it up, and Kareem Hunt just barely got into the end zone. But he got there. He barely got into the end zone. And that was your ball game, pretty much. The Colts had got the ball back with 15 seconds left. And I think they had a timeout still, but it didn't really uh, matter a whole lot there. They just weren't able to, to get much. And it ended with a, a fumble, with uh, Minshew being sacked again and unfortunately coughing the ball up and the Browns recovering. You know, it's it's one of those games that you're going to look through, look back and... The, the margin of error is so thin for this team, and they're going up against this very good defense. They managed to make some plays, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. I, I know it sounds a little bit negative on, on the whole, but it's a really tough way to lose a ball game. And I, I know that Coach Steichen and the Colts know that they need to play cleaner and hold on to the ball a lot better. So let's hear from Coach Shane Steichen about the loss to the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. All right, injury update, uh, Juju Brents, he got a quad. And then, you know, Isaiah had uh, got checked out, um, but cleared, came back in. Um, other than that, um, that was the injury update uh, questions. I got to go back and look at it. You know, I, I don't set a leave contact there. Um, so I got to go look at it. I didn't see it from our sidelines. What did you just make of the final scoring drive generally? I mean, kind of have what you want, right? Yeah. I mean, shoot, um, you know, really, if you look at the whole game, you know, we talked about when the turnover battle, uh, we had four, um, which is going to be tough to win any football game. So that's the biggest thing we got to get cleaned up. Uh, starts with myself. Uh, we got to go from there. There's a sequence of several sequences at the end of the first half where it was kind of a big swing there. Just you, you made a couple calls there. I mean, the, the field goal attempt mm-hmm. was tough. Um, you did try to, you know, score out of, you know, out of the back up to the end zone there and get aggressive. Yeah. Can you kind of maybe address those two things? Yeah, um, right there. I uh, had faith in Matt uh, to kick that long field goal there. Obviously, Miles Garrett jumped over, made a hell of a play, uh, backed up. Uh, that's on me. Uh, tried to help, you know, and he broke a double team and made a play. So I got to be better in both situations. Just what, what do you think, just, you know, to an emotional game like this, team's been through a lot. Just, um, I mean, do you think they're equipped to kind of 
bounce back from stuff? Yeah, like I think, this? honestly, stuff like this is going to make you stronger. It stings. There's no doubt about it. Uh, everyone's, you know, frustrated uh, when games happen like that. But I think this is what builds character in your football team. Uh, we got a lot of football left. We're not even at the halfway point. Um, got another home game, you know, this week coming up. Move on to New Orleans and get ready to go. Where is JT at as far as you know he's not 100%? Is he getting closer? To yeah, he's getting closer and closer every week. Obviously, it's third week um, playing. Um, i got to go back and look at the numbers, but I thought he ran pretty good. Obviously, hit the big screen down the sideline, um, did some good things. Zach ran hard. I think we had, I don't know, 460 yards of offense, something like that. But, you know, we got to we got to take care of the football. That's the biggest thing. Can't turn over. You, you said during the week that Miles Garrett's the kind of guy that can do that. Just obviously didn't do a good enough job on him. Yeah, there are certain times, obviously, um, you know, calling the game there with him in the game, certain things you got to be smart with when he's in the game. Um, obviously, the backed up call, um, again, try to get aggressive there. You know, got seven points. They got seven points off that. So, again, that's on me. What was the challenge like of getting the ball to Michael Pittman Jr.? It seemed like they were keyed in on him. And then what did you see on his touchdown? Um, obviously, great play by him on the touchdown. You know, they played a lot of tight man to man coverage. Um, you know, we were running there pretty good amount uh, in the game on early downs. Um, but I didn't see what happened on the on the touchdown. Obviously, it was a heck of a play by him. Um, but the penalty, uh, I didn't see it. I go, go back and look at it. And coming in, you knew that the Browns had a really imposing defense. However, to put up a new season high in points and over 400 yards of offense, is that an inspiring sign, especially with so much to go left in the season? Yeah, I mean, it shows what we're capable of. Um, but again, it's all it comes down to is winning the turnover battle. We're 3-0 uh, when we win the turnover battle. And when we don't, we Obviously, we've lost four, so we got to be better. Take care of the football. I guess how do you how do you start fixing that? It's eight, eight in two weeks. Yeah, there's no question. You keep hammering at home. I mean, you address it in the meeting room. You walk, you know, you go through it in practice. Ball security, takeaway circuit. Um, you got to keep dressing it and keep working through it. That's the bottom line. That's it. Keep takes repetition over and over again. Tough matchup for Blake Freeland out there. Just how do you feel like he performed this week? Um, I got to go back and look at the tape, but he battled. Um, obviously, it was a heck of a challenge, you know, going up against 95 over there uh, for a good amount of the game. He was, you know, flipping right and left uh, both sides of the game, but uh, thought he battled. Now, for, for me, the most upsetting thing about this game was that the Colts had every chance to win it. They got big plays in the running game a 24 yard run from Jonathan Taylor. 21-yard run by Zach Moss. Touchdown runs from Gardner Minshew. One, a 17-yard run. You're like, how did that even happen? Another, a shorter one for like four yards. They got big plays in the passing game. 50-yard touchdown pass to Josh Downs. A 32-yard reception from Alec Pierce on a key third and eight that set up a field goal. And a 75-yard touchdown pass to Michael Pittman Jr. So this team that has been starved for big plays able to make some against a very, very tough defense and still not able to capitalize on that. Minshew finished 15 of 23 for 305 yards, a couple of touchdowns in the air, two touchdowns running. Uh, he had the interception. Uh, he had an interception and three fumbles lost there. The interception went to Ward, who was, who was one of the great uh, corners in the league or one of the best corners in the league, and he just made a really nice play on a pass where Minshew was just maybe a half second too late trying to hit Michael Pittman on a play, and uh, that led to some points for the Browns, as it seemed every mistake led to points for the Browns. Keep in mind, the Browns were allowing just 200 yards on offense per game. The Colts racked up 456 total yards in this one. They forced two turnovers. 
They knocked the starting quarterback out of the game and had a practice squad guy, P.J. Walker, previously known as Philip Walker, who'd been a practice squad quarterback for the Colts for a few seasons. They only had to stop the Browns from going 80 yards in the span of two minutes and 35 seconds. They were unable to do that. And so the game, as a result, ends in a late touchdown, a sack fumble, and then a kneel down by the Browns. So many good things, so many bad things. Right out at the center of it all was quarterback Gardner Minshew. Let's hear what he has to say about this week's game. Can you kind of just sum up that game? I mean, the ups, the downs, I and mean, just what was that like? Yeah, no, it was definitely a roller coaster of a game. Um, a lot of good, I feel like we did on the offensive side, and then once again, you know, just turnovers uh, really bit us there. Um, you know, I think we just got to do a better job of take care of the ball, playing complimentary football when our defense is playing well. Um, yeah, that one hurts, man. Hurts. I mean, I don't think you've been a guy with a reputation of putting the ball on the ground, but like. You get in those adverse situations. I mean, what is is there a key to kind of preventing those? I don't know, but I'm about to try to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? That's like uh, we were already having conversations in the locker room just about trying to drill that and work that more because um, that's not something I want to be a part of us um, and something that can't be a part of our game. Miles Garrett, I mean, everything that, everything that we say he is seems like he is just watching the game. As advertised, for sure. Um, really good, man. Dude plays, and he plays really hard. Um, I thought our guys did a good job fighting with him most of the game. Um, but a guy like that, a couple plays can really change it, and that's where I got to do a better job, just taking care of the ball um, when he does make those plays. Can you take us through the touchdown, the pit, and just, I guess, seeing your guy make a play after the play? Yeah, it was awesome, man. Um, had a play, we, we run a decent amount, and he did a good job winning versus his guy. Had to kind of get it over a backer, and he, he did the rest, man. Um, really happy for him. Um, he's great with the ball in his hands, great with the ball in the air. Uh, so just continuing to find ways to, you know, get him rolling. It's kind of, is there some bittersweet nature to this? Because you can see the, the production that you're capable of as an offense if you guys can mitigate the turnovers. I mean, do you see it that way? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of good to work off of, too. You know, that was a really good defense we played, you know, one of the best. Um, so I think that should give us a lot of confidence there. Um, that understanding that we have everything we need and everything that we're messing up right now is in our control. Um, so I think, you know, we just go back, learn from it, and uh, continue to get better. What uh, happened on the Josh Downs touchdown? Where he got a free play and um, looked even freer, obviously, on the back end, where they kind of just, he's open, obviously. Yeah, free play. They were running like an invert cover two with the corners going deep. He kind of got over the bender and had the whole shot there to Downs. He had a, did a good job kind of feeling that space and uh, being in the right spot. How does he make things easier for everyone else? Not only just use the quarterback, but just other receivers, and it's kind of opening things up for his teammates. Yeah, no, I mean he's doing a great job right now. Um, had had some big, big plays. That one, obviously, the third down, he ended up wide open. Um, scramble drill catch he made. Like he's doing doing some great things. So I mean, I think he really elevates our offense um, with explosive plays, with consistency, catching the ball underneath, over the middle. Um, so really, you know, proud of him and everything he's done so far. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we thought it was that was game, you know, strip sack. Turns out there was a flag, um, and it just kept going on like that. It felt like that whole uh, two-minute drive was pretty weird, but, you know, definitely disappointing, um, especially in a game you feel like you had a good shot to win. How impressed were you that Alec Pierce was able to get back out and make an impact with the shoulder? 
Yeah, really impressed, man. AP's um, playing really tough for us, you know, so I think he's growing in his confidence, growing in his game, so just continuing to find ways to get him the ball. Um, and, yeah, no, just definitely happy to have him out there. Daryl Baker's going to take a lot of grief for what happened on that final run. How do you as a teammate, you know, keep him, keep him where he needs to be? Yeah, no, we just got to support each other, man. We're all out there doing our best. You know, that's the thing. Like, nobody's, nobody wants to mess up. Nobody wants to fumble. Nobody wants to throw interceptions. I promise you that. You know, we're all working really, really hard at this. So we know he is, too, and he's going to be out there again. And uh, we're going to have a lot of confidance in him. So Gardner Minshew finished his uh, post-game media availability talking a little bit about Daryl Baker Jr. and, and how, you know, everything – uh, everyone on the team is going to be there to support him. And, yeah, I had a tough day, but that happens to everybody. Let's take a look at some of the defensive standouts for the Colts. Zaire Franklin, no, no mystery there. 11 tackles for him. Kenny Moore had a fantastic game for the Colts. And in all the talk last year of him not finding his role, I think he's really starting to settle into this Gus Bradley defense. 10 tackles for him, 1.5 sacks, 3 tackles for loss, and really should have had an interception there. I, I thought he had it. Uh, I know it got overturned on review, but it was a nice, nice play, nice read, and, and I thought he went down and got it. Shaq Leonard, seven tackles. Seemed like he was around the ball a little bit more this week than maybe we've seen in, in some past weeks. Julian Blackman, uh, a really nice game for him, too. Five tackles, two tackles for loss. He also had an interception. I believe he had the one off of Deshaun Watson. Uh, the defense limited P.J. Walker to 178 yards passing. Uh, you can add five yards from Watson, who was one for five for five yards and an interception in a miserable game for him. The defense gave up a 69-yard touchdown run on the first drive, and then they really clamped down. Now, you can't just throw that out, but after the touchdown, uh, they allowed just 2.5 yards per carry for the rest of the game and were frequently in the backfield getting tackles for loss. Several players made big plays in big moments, just could not get Kareem Hunt down at the goal line there. But despite some of those really good things that they did, the defense gave up some big plays on the final drive of the game, could not stop the Browns from getting into the end zone. One of those included a 30-yard pass on a third and 10. And unfortunately, it was Daryl Baker Jr. trying to stop that play, and it just it was a very nice throw from P.J. Walker and a very nice catch there by the Browns. Taking a look at some of the offensive standouts, you know, I've really liked Josh Downs since they drafted him. I thought he would have a breakout game at some point, and at this, this game was it. Five catches, 125 yards. He had a touchdown on six targets. And, you know, while the Colts didn't catch a lot of big breaks on defense, they did catch some breaks on offense with some broken down coverages. The, the Colts ran some interesting packages, some motions to try to loosen things up a little bit. And, you know, they also, Gardner Minshew, really good on the hard count this week. And they, they got the Browns a couple of times on that touchdown to downs. It kind of looked like the Browns defense just kind of stopped, like they expected there to be a whistle. And there wasn't. And that allowed him to get a big play. Alec Pierce, three catches for 53 yards. He was also the beneficiary of the hard count as the Browns jumped again. And Minshew just kind of threw one up for him. And Pierce went up and got it. I mean, I, I've, we've started to see some stuff from Alec Pierce, and that can only be good for the rest of the offense. Michael Pittman Jr., couple catches, 83 yards. He had the touchdown, the 75-yard touchdown, where he caught the ball, ran over a couple, or ran through a couple of guys, I should say, and got down there 
for the touchdown at the end of the game, and it looked like that was going to be enough, but, you know, unfortunately it wasn't. Jonathan Taylor, 18 carries, 75 yards, a touchdown, three catches for 45 yards, including a really nice wheel route that got him open. Zach Moss, 18 carries for 57 yards. He was kind of bottled up despite the one big run, had a catch for five yards. And this is the thing where it really gets you. The Colts outgained Cleveland in rushing and passing and total offensive yards. They won the time of possession, 32-31 to 27-29. They were 7-15 of on third down against the league's best third down defense. They made plays time and time again when they needed them. Just when you thought that maybe they were just made the big mistake and they weren't going to be able to get back into it, they would find a way to rally and make the big play. And you love to see that resiliency, and that's one of the – the pillars of Shane Steichen is a resilient team, and he's definitely got one here in Indianapolis because the Colts time and time again make mistakes. They get down in games, but they find a way to rally, to try to come back and match these things and, and try to even things up or get ahead. They did in this game, but man, despite that, they were unable to overcome two key areas, and that was turnovers and penalty yards. The four turnovers, you kind of throw out that last one because it happened at the end of the game in a desperation move. But the other two, the other three turnovers, the interception and the two fumbles, the sack fumbles that Garner Minshew had, resulted in Cleveland getting points. And that is really the story of the game here that the Colts just could not overcome their own mistakes, these self inflicted things. And it's just a, a matter of guys doing their jobs, guys being aware of things, and just holding on to the ball. Penalties also not in the Colts' favor. They had eight penalties for 67 yards. Those last two penalties were absolute killers. And I, I know that there are going to be a lot of fans who are going to walk away from this game and, and thinking that the, the Browns stole it, that the referees gave it to the Browns. And, you know, those two calls, definitely borderline. Probably the second one, more borderline than than necessarily the first one. The first one hurt so much because it looked like the Colts had ended the game there. And we've been talking about this all season. Who's going to make the big play? Who's going to get that sack in crunch time? And they got it, but it didn't matter because the Browns got, got the, the benefit of the penalty here in this particular case. But again, I, I remind you, the Colts led in almost every offensive category. They were great on third downs. They made plays when we didn't necessarily think they were capable of making plays. But they also made mistakes in situations in which you can't afford to make mistakes. And some odd decisions that also led to some Browns, to the Browns getting some advantages. Uh, I, I point again to the 60-yard field goal. I know Matt Gay can hit that. I know he's got the leg to do it. And you can't predict that it's just going to get blocked, but that that was a miscalculation there. I think when you're playing a, a, an offense that was clearly limited, as the Browns were limited, I think you just go ahead and kick that ball deep on a punt. You try to pin them, and and you you play a little bit of field position there. That's what I would have done at in that particular case there. If it had been a 54, 55 yard field goal, maybe I felt a little bit differently. But 60. Just a, a little bit too borderline for, for my taste. And maybe I, I go a little bit too conservative for a football coach. And I am not a football coach. So let's, let's keep that in mind. It's just a fan's opinion on something that he sees during a football game. And then that key sequence in the second half as well, where you're backed up a little bit and you call for a couple of passes and they lead to sacks, uh, a sack fumble, and then a Cleveland touchdown. And then also facing a, a key third down 
with the Browns having expended all of their timeouts trying to, to throw a pass. And I know that you're thinking it's a screen pass. It's a high percentage of a completion. So we should complete the pass, even if we don't necessarily get the first down. We'll be able to turn that clock. But instead, that play gets blown up. It goes nowhere. It goes incomplete. And then suddenly you've given the Browns at the end of the half a, a, a Browns offense that, despite what they did at the end of the game, is still very limited. And you were able to give them some extra time, 35 to 40 seconds, what have you, instead of running some time off the clock. And that leads to a long field goal for the Browns. So, you know, as many of the things the, 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 the Colts did very, very well, it was sort of a two steps forward, one step back type of thing this week for Indianapolis. The Colts are now three and four, third place in the AFC South, a half game behind Houston, half a game ahead of Tennessee, who were both idle this week. Also worth mentioning, I don't need to hear this name. I don't need to see this guy anymore. But this stat line from Miles Garrett, nine tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, a tackle for loss, one pass defended, two QB hits, and a blocked field goal. I mean, he's got to be defensive player of the week, right? I mean, this guy absolutely wrecked the game for the Colts. If, if they didn't have to worry about Miles Garrett, you know, you're looking at probably, what, a 17-point swing in this game because of the blocked field goal and then the two sack strips that led to touchdowns, one directly with a recovery for the Browns in this game. What's next for the Colts? You've got a 1 p.m. kickoff against the New Orleans Saints. That's at home at Lucas Oil Stadium. Should be a Fox 59 game. The Saints are 3-4. and four. They lost to Jacksonville on Thursday night football. You know, we'll have reaction from this week's game, plus team news and notes and a preview of that Colts-Saints game with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. That'll be on Thursday's episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. For now, I'm Matt Adams. Thanks for listening. 